Hey world, this is the Expanded Seed podcast. My name is Christine. This is a podcast where we discuss all things women's health and spirituality and discover the intricacies of the world around us and just how connected we really are. Thank you for tuning in. call you cassie but do you like cassandra better oh it doesn't matter doesn't matter uh i go i go by both people always ask me that but it truly doesn't matter i go by both i answer to both okay awesome well welcome um have you here today because yeah i mean i just wanted to talk to you about some of the things that you're doing and um you, you know, you and I met through um, the Integrative Women's Health Institute, the, the health coaching program, um, and we were partners for that for a while. <laughs> we were kind of doing Zoom uh, before Zoom was like a thing. And <laughs> yes. um, yeah, so yeah, just tell us a little bit um, about you and, and what you do and yeah, all that good stuff. Okay. Um, well, I am, I know some of the stuff that, you know, you brought up with having me here was talking about women's health. And so I am a women's health or pelvic floor physical therapist. That's kind of my, my education and and my background. But as I was working as a physical therapist, I just started to realize that I was uh, limited by insurance and these time constraints. And we're kind of like trying to get at this you know, perfect thing, not necessarily a perfect thing, but you know, there's something wrong, there's a structure wrong. And then we, you know, create this plan to fix it. And with, with all things, but particularly with women's health and pelvic pain, I was really seeing that women were having a lot of anxiety and there was just a lot more going on. And that's when I started kind of thinking back to, um, that, that coaching program. So the woman who runs that Jessica Drummond, I had met her when I was in school and learned about her when I was in school and kind of, she had always been on my, the health coaching thing had always kind of been there on my radar. Um, and I just started to try to go into that more, study more on that so that I could figure out maybe how I could help people a little bit more holistically. Cause I felt kind of limited in just the traditional physical therapy realm. Um, and that's kind of what has led me to where I am now, where I actually am almost, doing coaching more so than PT, or I kind of combine them together. So I do women's health coaching with physical therapy education, if that's something that uh, the person is coming to me for. And then I also combine that with yoga. So I, I've been practicing yoga since I was in high school, and I started teaching it during uh, when I was living in Maine, doing a travel physical therapy contract, and I really enjoyed it. And so I just kept that up and I don't know, I just kind of kept trying things. And then now here I am sort of doing all three and meshing them all together. So yeah, I think that's, (laughs) that kind of covers it. That's awesome. I love that you have like various different modalities that you use. And I know we've kind of uh, talked about that too, like in the coaching program where these things will come up and, and I was, I'm a yoga teacher and we'd have these questions of like, is it okay if I do this? And um, how do I mesh like the coaching with what I'm already doing and is that okay? Yes. And there's like all these weird like things around it, I feel like. <laughs> yes. And so I would say it's been challenging, um, talking to as many people as I possibly could was most helpful. Other people finding out there was other people doing similar things or kind of just branching out, thinking outside the box in terms of, you know, a lot of times for people who go to school to be, I don't know, you know, this specific thing. And it's a, especially in the healthcare world, you're very limited by your license and by all, you know, you think more education it opens you up and it does to an extent, but it also limits you because then you have to like really abide by all these specific rules. Um, and so trying to figure out how to navigate that, but still help people in a way that I wanted to definitely has been challenging, but I think that I've figured it out. And it also has led me down, you know, different paths, you know, things that maybe I thought I wanted to do when I first started school has completely changed and things that I want in life has completely changed. And so I'm constantly, I feel like what I've started as a business, which my business is called all about that breath. And I love that. 
<laughs> I love your business. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. Uh, it's like so Yeah, it just simple. seemed like everything. Like... The reason it came up was everything was just about breath at the time. Like in school, we were talking a lot about breathing and your core. And then pelvic floor is so much about breathing. And then, of course, that's a huge part of yoga and just life. And then I have anxiety. And we were always talking about using your breath to calm your anxiety. And it's just been this whole thing. So that's kind of where my business name came from. And I thought that, you know, no matter which way I started to move towards, whether I moved more towards yoga or whether it was you know, I had went more the pelvic floor only, you know, that's all I talked about route or, um, no matter which way I went, I felt like breath was kind of the main part of each of those things. Um, so that's just kind of like the thread, I guess, in the center, but I just feel like my business is kind of constantly evolving. Um, even, even from when, from when I started and now every day, I feel like I am kind of changing things and, you know, clients that come in, change your, change your perspective too, and kind of where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Let's, so let's take a step back and, um, talk more about, um, the pelvic floor, uh, physical therapy. Like what, what all does that entail? Like if a client, like who specifically, um, would benefit from that or like what types of clients do you typically see and and what does that entail? Um, yeah. So, so pelvic floor physical therapy is getting, um, much bigger more people are doing it. It's out there more, which is great. People are talking about it, but there's still a lot of people, um, and a lot of areas where, you know, people don't know that physical therapists treat, um, the pelvic floor, that area of the body. So, um, you know, I'm happy to be, t- I, you know, I've been on a couple podcasts and I love talking about it in any way, just the education and letting people know that it exists is kind of the first thing. Uh, so I, I just treat women, but men and women receive, um, pelvic floor physical therapy. Just in my practice, I treat women. Uh, but it is, it can be a lot of different things. So I guess to kind of start, maybe someone who would want to reach out to a pelvic floor physical therapist would be if you're leaking. So if you're leaking, um, anything really, it's not normal. (laughs) A lot of times in our society, we're told that that's normal. You know, if you've had a kid that, you know, different things, uh, women feel that it's just what's supposed to happen to them. You know, they're a certain age where they've had children or, and, and that's not true. There's help for, for women, for all these different things that, a lot of women suffer from, and men too, but um, a lot of women suffer from that they don't realize that there's actual treatment for, and it doesn't have to be surgical. There are surgical treatments, and a lot of times pelvic floor physical therapists will work with um, with that as well with surgeons um, before and after and things like that. Um, pregnant women, so sometimes I see women come to me before they have their baby just to kind of prepare and um, and feel like feel more comfortable and hopefully not have more issues afterwards. However, most of the time I'm seeing people after the fact that they've had, they've had a baby. Uh, But I also see people who've who've never had children who maybe are leaking or who are having uh, pelvic pain. So um, vaginal, rectal pain, abdominal pain, um, even hip, low back pain, that kind of all sort of ties in together and is often related to your pelvic floor. So there's a lot of different conditions that can be going on. We just don't, if we haven't experienced one of them, we don't always know that they exist or that that's what it is because we don't talk about it a lot about these different conditions or pain with sex you know we don't know that that's something that can actually be treated by a physical therapist uh so i guess that kind of is just a few of the (laughs) a few of the things um that someone might might come see me for a lot of times if someone will come to me for low back pain and turns out once we start talking they're like oh yeah i also you know this and that with my pelvic floor and we you know, it ends up being more of a pelvic floor issue than anything else. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It seems like there's like a lot, I don't know, a lot that goes into that. And um, yeah, and I think it's such a thing that we, I don't know, like maybe, maybe it's just um, my own perception, but like, I feel like the pelvic floor in general is just like a thing that we're disconnected from a lot and um you know even just like in a society but also just like on a personal uh level as women and we don't it's I don't know I was like we just kind of don't really think about it until it's time to have kids or until there's like something wrong you know 100 percent 100 percent so that's one of the reasons with you know me starting my own practice is and a lot of physical therapists feel this way, you know, we want to prevent things from happening. You know, people, a lot of 
people not in our our world, you know, saying, oh, you go to a physical therapist, you know, to rehab your knee, which is true. <laughs> but, um, you know, they also a lot of especially ones that have their own practice, but but anybody, they really want to help prevent these things from happening. And so I definitely, you know, when I started doing this, one of my things I like to do is just education, just letting people know that this stuff exists. So they can, a lot of times I can treat women in a, in a way without you know, a non-invasive way with just education, you know, if, if it hasn't gotten to a certain point, there's a lot that education is talking about your diet and lifestyle and um, the way that you're moving your body um, and the way that you're thinking and connecting with your breath and your pelvic floor that can change some of your symptoms uh, drastically or prevent symptoms from ever coming up in the first place. But your pelvic floor is, is just a group of muscles like your bicep. Um, or, or, you know, your quad, your leg, any muscle in your body, your, your pelvic floor is just like those muscles. We just don't see them in the same way. Cause you know, we can't, we don't see you we can see our elbow moving. Um, but we don't see our pelvic floor in the same way. So we just kind of get disconnected with it just the same way we do with our, with our breath and, um, all the stress and everything going on in our lives, the way we hold our shoulders up, you know, we have tension in our shoulders and we get headaches. The same thing actually happens in our pelvic floor. A lot of us are drawing and holding our pelvic floor in and don't know it. Um, so it can be weak. It can be overly um, activated, just like any other muscle in our body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember learning um, something from my teacher, uh, Usha Nandi. She's a founder of Women Wellness. And she talks about like the the jaw and like the pelvis connection. And yes. I was curious if you um, knew anything about that or if there was any yeah. relation like with your breath and, and your pelvic floor. Yes, there. I actually, there's a couple um, <clears throat> people on the top of my head that I'm thinking about uh, just other practitioners. Cause I, I've kind of gone down you know, a little bit of a different route with health coaching and, and yoga. And so I'm not as, I'm not hands-on, I guess is what I would say. I do a lot of online work now and I'm more education. I'm not as hands-on as I used to be when I, when I, you know, worked for like a company or something where we were hands-on with in terms of like a public floor clinic. And so I'm thinking of a couple of people who are actually uh, studying that right now. So the connection between the jaw and the pelvic floor, I went to Ohio state and I have some, um, some mentors and friends that, you know, are still practicing there and some other places where they're really looking into a lot of different, it's always evolving just like anything. Um, and so there's so much <laughs> to learn about the body that we still don't know. And particularly when it comes to women, a lot of studies were done all with men and you'll hear that from a lot of yep. different things. And <laughs> they are trying to do more um, specifically with looking at the, the female body and a lot of the tests can be challenging to do, but there's definitely a connection there. Yeah. Between the jaw and the pelvic floor, even just as simple, like even if you strip it back just to as simple as what I just said about how we hold our shoulders up and don't realize. And at the end of the day, we're like, why are my shoulders so tight? And then you're like, Oh gosh, like I didn't even realize I was holding them up and we clench our jaw. So we're always kind of holding our jaw really tight and we get these, um, mm-hmm. you know, different, um, TMJ, uh, issues are, you know, issues with our joints and our muscles and our jaw and our pelvic floor is very similar to that and how we hold tension there and how we treat, um, the pelvic floor. So they're definitely connected. And typically, like I mentioned with anxiety, when I would see someone with pelvic floor, so less the, sometimes with leaking, but not necessarily talking about weakness of the pelvic floor, but talking about maybe overactive pelvic floor, kind of tight muscles and pain issues they typically had also issues with their jaw and um, with tension, with stress, with being just over, just overstimulated in, in a lot of different, a lot of different ways. And so that's mm-hmm. why I really wanted to kind of step back and look at the whole picture of this person. It wasn't just about the pelvic floor, you know, let's look at the whole picture and what their support team is like and what's going on at home. And um, you know, how are they managing their stress? So yeah, it's yeah. definitely, I mean, we could get into the, like the science, but there's some other people who I think would be better at talking, <laughs> talking about that. Um, but yeah, definitely connection. Yeah. I think that's so fascinating to me. Um, yeah. And it's also just a reminder for me too, like when I'm holding my jaw and I'm like, oh my gosh, is my pelvic floor like tight too? Like, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yes, in the same way that, um, and I know you you teach yoga, and so like uh, yoga teachers will do this sometimes with um, you know they, they they learn about that as well. But uh, when we talk, when we tell people to like relax your jaw and let your jaw kind of relax away, let your shoulders drop away from your ears. Pelvic floor is the same way. So if someone's connected with their pelvic floor and has that connection and understanding of how to relax their pelvic floor, how to activate their pelvic floor, they can do that same thing where they can drop and let their pelvic floor go and actually feel that, feel that kind of release. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're not able to do that, that's where like maybe talking to a, a physical therapist or talking to someone that specializes in that area can actually teach them how to connect with their pelvic floor because it can take some time just like anything when we're learning something new it's a lot of the first part of it is that kind of brain body connection before we really start making any sort of changes you know strength wise or something like that if that was even an issue uh so just that that connection piece is first and then after that you actually can release your pelvic floor the same way that that you would you know you draw on your shoulders during the day when we think about breathing just taking a second Mm -hmm. you can include that as well yeah Yeah, it's so interesting. And then you think about, like, the chakra system and, you know, like, the root chakra and then your your sacral chakra and how that's the energetics of that and um, really tied to our creativity and our sexuality and, um, yeah, and I think they all just, like, weave in and they're all, they all sort of affect each other and it's, like, really interesting to think about. I wanted to ask you, too... um, what do you so when you say leaking like what what qualifies as like leaking yeah that's a great and i know there's a lot of things that i'm probably going to say that you might not because you know i'm used to kind of talking about this stuff all day or um so sometimes i say things i realize that i'm not because it can be hard to explain some of the stuff with the pelvic floor because it's not things that we're talking about all the time some of the words we use are you know, we don't, all of us aren't going to be like, wait, what, what is she talking about? Um, so definitely, you know, tell me to clarify if something just doesn't totally make sense too. But so leaking, um, we can leak, you know, uh, rectally or, or, uh, you know, urine. So there's a lot of different things that we can have going on. So that's one thing to, to think about is, um, our pelvic floor kind of is all encompassing. So it's not just a lot of times we're thinking like just vaginally or just like our urethra and like, supporting our, our female organs and things like that, but it's also rectally as well. So we include all of those those muscles and we could be having issues in any different area. You can also kind of separate a little bit the front versus the back and just connection and, and contractions and things like that. Um, so leaking can be a lot of different things. Typically people are seeing me because they're, they're leaking urine and this can be any amount. So if you're leaking urine in any way, so that could be maybe you're not quite making it like you know you need to go to the bathroom but you're not quite making it there before you dribble that would be considered leaking there's a scale there so maybe you're just dribbling here and there and you're not even wearing a pad or doing anything it's not like affecting it's not too much you just know that it's happening um but it could be more severe than that so you could be emptying um almost completely when you don't make it to the bathroom or if you cough or sneeze you might dribble or you might leak a lot and so that's where some people might wear, actually wear a protective pad. Um, and there's a difference between um, something, because I get a lot of questions about this, there's a difference between wearing something that protects urine versus like a menstrual period. So you don't want to use like a pad for your menstrual period for leaking. Um, mm, so that, cause it's, just different, it's a different type of fluid. So typically my goal with a lot of those clients is to help them not have to wear pads because who wants to do that you know I get I get a lot of young women too (laughs) who you know they're working out and they're like you know they don't want to wear pads when they're running (laughs) you know who wants to do that (laughs) so no matter what amount of leaking you're you're having um a pelvic floor therapist um could could be helpful for you wow interesting yeah I never even I mean I guess I've never personally experienced that um although I have experienced like the sneezing um like on my period thing that mm-hmm. I guess is a thing for people. Um, but yeah, so that, so that would be considered kind of like a weak pelvic floor. Is that 
correct? Like not, not necessarily. And that's where it can get kind of complicated. And that's why it's really important that if you do have any questions or you think there's anything that you might need to address about your pelvic floor, that you should see a trained pelvic floor physical therapist. Because a lot of times, um, you know, provide other providers sometimes know about the pelvic floor a little bit, you know, as a doctor or anything like that, you're going to know that. But sometimes there's this idea and it's, you know, it's getting better, but there's this idea of, oh, you're having that issue, go do Kegels. And a Kegel is a pelvic floor contraction. And there's a doctor, like whatever his name. Um, and, you know, people often have heard of Kegels and they're like, I'll oh, just do a hundred Kegels a day. <laughs> the issue with the issue with that is that if you're not actually assessing the pelvic floor muscles, we don't know what's going on with the pelvic floor. And so sometimes people can actually have a very tight and restricted pelvic floor. It would almost be like if you think about holding your, your elbow in a bent position, like you're carrying groceries or something, um, holding your, your arm in that position all day and not being able to straighten it. So say your pelvic floor is always just kind of drawn up and we're never relaxing it, you can still have leaking. You could have tight and weak pelvic floor. You could just have episodes of your pelvic floor not being able to hold that contraction any longer because it's so fatigued. There's all different types of things that can be going on. And that's the danger of just overly prescribing or just kind of generalizing people and saying, oh, you know, women. And that, that happens a lot. Just, just do your Kegels. Well, <laughs> maybe, you know, for some people that may, it, sometimes it really is that simple. Sometimes it's as simple as changing what we're drinking and when we're going to the bathroom, just looking at our life. Sometimes it's that simple, but sometimes it's not. And so particularly in a younger woman, maybe who um, hasn't had children, you know, there might be a little bit more going on that we need to look at with connection and breath and maybe their pelvic floor is actually overly active. Uh, gymnast, I see, you know, I see a lot of that with a gymnast, someone who's maybe doing uh, heavy lifting. Uh, you know, there's a couple different different things. So yeah, always see, you know, go go see someone and get an actual individualized assessment. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up the Kegels because um, I was definitely going to ask you about that. And <laughs> and I've heard like so many, there's so much different information out there about Kegels. Yeah, and yeah. Feel, <laughs> yeah, and it always seems to be like this like hyper almost sexualized way of like you just tighten it up and it'll yeah you know, know. and it's like yeah. what <laughs> yeah you're right and especially in popular culture right now or just right now like it's right now no forever um yes and that is not the case people are so misinformed we have vaginas and we have pelvic floors and vulvas and all these terms that actually mean different things we don't even mm -hmm. know like we just use these terms all encompassing but there's actually terms that mean certain things right um you know we say vagina that's just one part that's not this and that anyways we have them and we don't even know like even a smidge it's like it's like the ocean you know we know like a percentage <laughs> about, yeah that's what it reminds me of um and so there's so much that we don't we don't know about our about our own bodies and then mm -hmm. let alone we expect someone who doesn't have the same body part to know about it as well you know it's um it's complicated, but it doesn't have to be complicated is guess how I would say it. We just don't talk about it enough. And that's why I'm so, um, so much about education and just learning and being open to talking about, just like the conversation we're having, you know, just talking about this area of our body that, you know, half of us have, <laughs> you know, that, that, that is kind of the first step, I guess, is awareness and learning more and being open to learning more um, and asking questions if we don't know. You know, it's never, there is, people always ask me, like, they say things like, um, I'm gonna ask you a weird question. And <laughs> that there is no such thing as asking a public floor therapist a weird question. <laughs> I, I promise you, they will not think you're weird. That's not a thing that we think. Um, and we've probably been asked it million times and we're, we're really happy to to talk about it because we want to mm -hmm. want to help you learn more about your body yeah yeah that's awesome that's why I, I really appreciate like what you do because I feel like you know going back to what you said earlier about how um you know there's m mostly research on men right and there's mm -hmm. still I mean, we're getting better at having more research on women, but I think that there's still so much that we don't know and there's so much that we haven't, um, you know, spent 
decades of time like studying certain things yeah um so yeah, yeah and, you know and men have a pelvic floor just the same as us they just have it just you know there's obviously a little bit of this different you know things um you know it works a little bit differently but for the most part it's the same and there's a whole you know there's a whole line especially you know, especially if anyone would hear this and because a lot of times, you know, I, I'm always so focused on, on women because that's what I do now. But I used to treat men, and I know pelvic floor physical therapists who only treat men. Um, and so, you know, it's important just, I guess, for anyone, no matter what, that this area of your body, if you have a question or concern or you're having pain or having leaking or any of that, just knowing that that's um, not normal. It might be common, but it's not normal. And um, we can talk to, there's people, I guess just knowing that there's people to talk to and ask. And another thing that I would say is because this is, I, I think this is with any part of our body or anything going on, but always be open to second opinions too, especially if you're in a smaller town or, you know, you, you see someone and you just don't feel right. Because this is definitely an intimate thing to talk about no matter what your gender. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's something that we don't feel comfortable talking about and so we just meet a stranger there's a lot of things we don't want to say so you want to make sure you're really comfortable with the person and if you're not talk to another person like there's lots of um, pelvic specialists out there a lot of times people will start by talking to you know their gynecologist and some gynecologists and um, urologists and different people like that work with pelvic floor therapists but some don't Um, so just continuing to kind of take charge of your own health which is a big thing in my business I try to, you know, empower women to, you know, really take charge of their, their own health care, their own bodies, their own, all of those things, because one person can't fix everything. And, you know, we kind of need a care team and not only a care team, but we need a care team that's open, you know, that's, that listens to us and, and that, you know, that is really open to helping us and connecting with others and things like that. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. I did want to ask, um, which kind of goes along with, uh, with the Kegels, but there's all these like, um, like jade eggs. Have you heard yeah. of these? Yeah. Like, so those, yeah. is that kind of similar to like Kegels or would you say that's kind of, um, something different or? Yeah, that's a great yeah. question. So I mostly saw the jade egg thing when, so I, I was a traveling physical therapist for, for a while and I lived in, in in Oregon and I worked at a pelvic practice there with a woman named Ramona Horton who is absolutely uh, phenomenal uh, pelvic worldwide if you if you want to look her up um, and also I was I was helping filling in for another wonderful pelvic floor PT named Amanda Olson and so uh, they worked there and when I was there they were working there in Oregon and Amanda actually works with this company called Intimate Rose, which has pelvic weights. And the way that I would see the jade egg is sometimes similar to that and how it's used. So we actually, as pelvic floor therapists, don't often recommend like a a jade egg or something like that, but we might use pelvic floor weights, which are similar. So it'd be like a a shape, you know, that same kind of shape. Mm -hmm. And they come in different weights because our pelvic floor, like I said, is like, can be like our bicep where and we what, can all lift the same amount of weight yeah so what like what i guess who would that be for or like yeah, what's so that is a great question so it's not for everyone i actually do not use those very often and that's why i don't even see or talk about jade eggs a whole lot because i'm in ohio now and i don't hear about them too often but when i was in oregon a lot of my clients it was a big thing where they all had these jade eggs or using them and typically people were using them for different reasons. A lot of times, like you mentioned about the sexuality piece, a lot of times people use, even the weights too, the vaginal weights are often seen that way as well, where we're trying to strengthen or tighten our pelvic floor um, for the sexual reason. And there is support for that. So there is there is some components to that that you can use them in that way a little bit. Um, but in another way, we might be using them to help strengthen the pelvic floor in a different way. So you have to contract your pelvic floor. So Kegel, whatever you want to call it, you have to contract your pelvic floor to hold that weight or whatever, whatever you're using inside. And so you're kind of strength training your pelvic floor a little bit by using those. And like, if you look at, there's a lot of different ones, but like intimate rows, you know, they have videos and instructions on how long and this and that to, to use them. Um, 
I'm not as familiar with exactly, you know, because I don't know the weight of a jade egg or exactly all the things. You want to make sure to to think about hygiene with something like that and how different types of surfaces need to be cleaned and what you're cleaning them with and is there a string attached of some sort how are you getting it in and out are you comfortable with that is it safe the biggest thing is in terms of who it's for is i was seeing a lot of young women because it was the thing to do and you know everyone especially where i was in oregon it's not good to use those if we have any sort of overactive pelvic floor so a tight pelvic floor Mm -hmm. We're unable to relax. We don't know how to use our pelvic floor correctly. We have any type of pain. We mm -hmm. do not want to be doing Kegels or using weights of any kind or using a jade egg if we have pelvic pain or kind of an overactive pelvic floor. And so that's one of the big things, I guess, that that's important to know. I mm -hmm. think that there's a place for them, for either. I think that, you know, you can use those, but I would caution people to make sure that you know, they're not having any pelvic floor issues arising from them or that they're not, if you're unsure, I guess I would say, you know, talk to a professional and you, know, you can always do like one session just to kind of have an assessment and make sure that everything's good and that you, know, you don't have, you know, you can contract and relax correctly and then maybe those things would be, would be good to use. Mm -hmm. That was a lot, but I think yeah. <laughs> I yeah. answered the question. It's so interesting because um, I, I honestly had never even heard of like the weights until mm. I think I asked you about it a, a long time ago. Um, yeah. And I was like, what? What is this? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's like, yeah. really interesting. That I don't, I don't use them often. And when I do... Um, when I do recommend them, I, you know, cause I know Amanda, I do, I usually typically use into the intimate rose weights. Um, but when I do, it's typically someone who is, has a healthy pelvic floor, who maybe is just looking to do a little bit more strengthening. They're open to the, to the weights. Maybe they brought it up. Uh, they, they're not having any issues with overactivating. They're breathing well. They can contract. They can fully relax. But they're having a little bit of weakness or interested in getting just a little bit more sensation and blood flow and awareness there um, for either just, just to strengthen and maybe not leak or also sometimes for, for sexual, you know, um, improving, improving kind of their awareness and things like that. And a lot of my clients have said that that's the case, that they've even just strengthened their pelvic floor through through whatever we're doing or also with the weights that they've been able to gain just a little bit more sensation. Um, you know, but I think it's mm -hmm. very individualized. Yeah. And can you maybe speak to more of like the sexual side of like, do you see, have you seen a lot of women that are like, I want to tighten up to enhance my sex life for my husband or whatever? No. Like, do you see that often? Or no, really? I actually have not. Um, and I don't know, you know, obviously I cannot in any way speak for the majority of, of pelvic therapists. You know, we all work in different areas and, and, you know, especially like I said, I'm not like working in a clinic like that at this point. Um, I, I'm mostly seeing women who are looking to get healthier in general and then sometimes have, you know, like a pelvic issue. When I have more of a complex case these days, you know, I'm referring them to, to, to friends in the area um, or, or someone who I know works online because sometimes we need hands-on work and I'm just not doing the hands-on part right now because we do mm -hmm. internal internal examinations and things like that but in terms of that yeah you know I actually really have not seen that very often the majority of stuff around sex that I would see was actually pain to the point of not being able to have intercourse at all mm -hmm. or being so uncomfortable that they couldn't get any enjoyment out of it whatsoever and typically the the spouse was very um supportive and concerned and didn't want to continue to have sex with their partner who was uh, clearly in pain. Mm -hmm. um, and that this isn't normal, whatever. Wow. So that's what I actually saw the most of was, you know, our pelvic floor being so tight or painful. Um, sometimes endometriosis too, I, I would see that a lot. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that it's funny now that I've never actually thought about that. Would you ask me that question? No. Most people, I did not, no one ever actually said that. Now someone not a client that's come up maybe like a friend or in passing they find out what i do they might ask me you know, like if you do kegels is it true that you can tighten your muscles or your pelvic floor or, or uh, ask about maybe the jade or something like that 
And um, yes, I mean, I think that there's some, like I said, it's individualized. A lot of women, you know, there's different techniques now and different surgeries and creams and stuff that you would, you would want to talk more to your gynecologist probably about that. But if they're wanting to stick to trying something uh, less invasive, you know, doing Kegels can sometimes just bring more, more, can bring more strength, can bring more awareness, can bring more blood flow and lots of things that can help with, with sexual function. Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, I also was wondering too, like, so I know, um, you know, in yoga, like we do, um, if you're doing certain pranayama practices, um, that it's common to like engage, uh, mula bandha, which is, you mm-hmm. know, kind of that space of, yeah. um, and I remember when I first learned about that, I was like, oh, so I'm like, I'm like kind of doing a Kegel. Um, and and I was like you are is that yeah yeah so that's similar right it's yes and the big actually I realized because we haven't actually said this so you bringing it up is really good yes but most people almost all are not doing a kegel correctly contraction correctly and so that is one of the hard parts about I love when when yoga teachers um encourage some of these other things or talk about the pelvic floor because again that's making it more accessible right to people it's making it like oh oh we're just talking about this there's 15 other people in the room and we're discussing the pelvic floor. you know so I think it's really good and a lot of the yoga teachers even online will talk about the pelvic floor so I think that that's fantastic however you know it's usually mentioned just like you said like we're you know activating this area of the body when we're in this pose and that's kind of it which is all it should be in yoga but most people don't know truly what that means, mm-hmm. even if they think they do, even if someone's actually taught them how to do it. So a lot of times people are also holding their breath when when they try to contract their pelvic floor. They're usually activating other muscles and trying to squeeze their glutes or their, their adductors. And so mm-hmm. it's important that if we're truly just focusing on our pelvic floor and doing a kegel that it's only the pelvic floor that's drawing up and in and our other muscles are not kind of taking over which is what happens for most of us or some people might not feel anything so i've had clients who cannot do a pelvic floor contraction and so you know we got to start you know kind of from square one Mm mm-hmm yeah, interesting. I didn't. I guess I didn't think about that. And now I'm like, <laughs> now I'm like trying it right now. And I'm like, <laughs> so I teach, am I squeezing I teach my glutes? <laughs> without seeing them in person, I teach people how to assess that themselves. And that's one of my cool. big things. I try to, even though sometimes, like I said, sometimes there is a place where I feel like people need someone to to touch them, right? And, but I don't think it's always necessary. I think you can do a lot. I'm really with my business, I try to empower women to figure things out on their own and to connect with their own body versus a lot of times in our Western society, right? It's the, it's a provider telling you what to do and fixing you with their hands. And, you know, I think that there's a place for that for sure. But I also think a lot of people can figure things out on their own, especially women who are coming to me, um, in the type of practice I have, they're usually kind of ready for that and want to do things on their own. And so I'll teach people like that. You know, I can teach you how to check and see if you're doing a Kegel correctly yourself. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I always just, like, whenever I'm doing um, certain types of breathing exercises, I'll um, just kind of play with it a little bit. And I'm, like, and it's interesting. It's, like, I don't know. Like, if you're, I like, I think about it in terms of, you know, like, the breath, right? So, like, if I'm holding in, I'm containing air, um, in my body. Whereas if I'm releasing, I'm sort of letting the air come out, um, through that space. Is that kind of like an app? I think that might be backwards. So from, I think, so I'm going to, let me say it and see if it's opposite from what you just said. (laughs) Because I think it might be, but I'm not hundred percent sure. hundred percent sure. Cause I don't know if I maybe follow exactly. So when I teach someone, if they're, especially if someone comes to me and when they try to do a Kegel, if, if that's what we're focused on, or, or we're just trying to get them to relax, either way, it doesn't matter. We're focusing on the breath. Um, if they're holding their breath when trying to do any of the things, the biggest thing is that you want to think about 
this canister. So it's like a pop can or whatever. It's a cylinder. So you have your diaphragm at the top and your pelvic floor at the bottom and your core sort of surrounding. So when you take a deep breath in, everything drops. So your diaphragm drops and the whole canister shifts down. So your pelvic floor is opening and expanding and dropping as you take a deep breath in. And then as you exhale, everything then shifts back up and, you know, your pelvic floor kind of draws in slightly. So oh, if we're breathing with thinking about our pelvic floor, take a deep breath, we're thinking about opening, dropping, relaxing. And as we exhale, everything just sort of comes back. Or that might be when we're focusing on doing a contraction if we're just starting trying to learn that connection. Is okay. that... Yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't Um, tell if you were doing that or the opposite. Yeah, I think, well, yeah. So if I breathe in, yeah, I'm breathing in. My diaphragm is is contracting or is um, releasing and then. Because it's contracting, but it's what's confusing. That's what's confusing. It's Mm -hmm. your diaphragm's working, but it's, it, it pushes, it drops down in the, where your body is. Right. And so then your pelvic floor, everything kind of shifts. So I wonder if your 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 chest is expanding as your your lungs are expanding. So you can think about it. Sometimes that helps. If we think about our lungs expanding, then we have to make room in our our diaphragm and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wonder if you know, <laughs> like you're breathing in, uh, you're creating space, and then if you hold at the bottom and then you're exhaling. Now I'm trying to like do it and see. <laughs> I think, think about one of the things that I use with people is I think about a balloon. So if you imagine you have a balloon in your belly and you're filling it up and the bottom of the balloon, you know how bottom of the balloon is like this round bowl shape. Mm -hmm. That's your pelvic floor. So your pelvic floor is like this hammock or bowl at the bottom. And so we think about that sitting there and we have this balloon system in our belly. If we take a deep breath in, the air is traveling down, expanding the balloon. And if the Pelvic floor is the bottom of the balloon. It's opening, expanding, stretching. And then everything kind of draws back in as we exhale and the air comes back out. And so if we take some time to just kind of lay back and breathe and have that imagery, we can start to kind of feel and connect and actually feel our pelvic floor stretching when we take a big breath in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And that just made me think about like, uh, like when you're, if your pelvis is like tilted or something, if that, mm-hmm. like maybe you can talk to, talk about how that, um, like what, what sort of effects that has on the body. And, and I know like, cause when you were mentioning like the bowl, um, I always think of like, you know, if your pelvis is tilted forward, right? Like the bowl could potentially like spill out, right? Or if it's tilted back. Um, it can kind of spill the other way, um, like energetically. And so I'm interested, like, you know, maybe you can speak to that, like how, and how that ties in with like lower back pain and then like the constriction of the muscles and all that stuff. You're testing me today. You're (laughs) testing my, cause I'm like, oh man, I used to be deep. It's kind of like a pun there, but I used to be deep in this, um, (laughs) pelvic floor like all of the things you're saying and like it's just making me see how much my practice has changed um yes so I I'm very much about I don't want to say balance because I feel like we use that word too much and it's not exactly what we mean you know it's kind of like a buzzword right balance but movement I guess and I think a lot of physical therapists probably would agree that we we want people to move freely but also be stable. And so that concept of stable and and strong, but freely moving. And so if we think about our pelvis, a lot of times we'll see this kind of stuck air, this posture, particularly Mm -hmm. in our society where we sit a certain way a lot, we don't squat, Um, we're not moving as much as we should. And so the way that I think about what you're talking about, there are specific things in terms of, and there's a lot of research on this. That's why I was like, that's why I was saying you're drawing, you're drawing me back. Um, I'm thinking about like some research articles, but like five years ago. Um, but so 
the way our pelvis is tilted in certain ways, they have shown some different, like how our pelvic floor is contracted or how things are able to activate based on that. And it definitely affects how we move, but more so we don't want to be necessary. It's like our posture. We're always kind of thinking about most people would think, Oh, we got to sit up really tall and we got to draw our shoulders back and sit like this. Not necessarily. We don't want to stay like that all day either. We don't want to be mm-hmm. rounded and kind of be, you know, the, the computer posture that a lot of us are in. We don't want to do that. We want to be able to freely move through both and find the center point. Mm-hmm. And I, I look at the pelvic floor the same way. We either are tilted forward really far and that can affect things. Or some people are the opposite where you're actually, you know, tilted back and we want to try to find the center. So the first thing that I would do with someone is teach them how to move their pelvis and see kind of what range they have and kind of keep moving using a, um, a stability ball. One of the big, like the big balls that we use in, in uh, like you'll see at the mm-hmm. gym or something. Those are great to sit on and just practice those pelvic tilts and moving back and forth. Cause most of us don't do that. We don't, we're not connected. Right. You talked about not being connected with our pelvic floor. We're not connected with our pelvis. Um, we got to get back to a lot of other cultures really are. If you think about the way people move their hips and their pelvis and their connection there, at least mine and where I grew up, that's not a thing. Like we don't, we don't, a lot of people, especially men, a lot of men don't really dance. It's like, what is that? No, we should be moving our pelvis and learning how to move our pelvis in different ways. And that helps us connect with our pelvic floor too. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's kind of my take on, on that. Yeah, it's like specifically what you asked, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's like, um, you know, just like releasing stagnation, basically, and like allowing more prana to flow, you know, throughout your body. Definitely, definitely. Um, And I, I see both in terms of I wouldn't say I see one more so than the other, I guess in women, that more of that forward tilt where you kind of have the the sway in your back. Mm -hmm. Right? I see that a lot. And that's usually a there's some core weakness there, uh, some other things going on. Usually it's a combination. We, sometimes it's like a cross syndrome thing where some muscles are tight and some muscles are weak and it can be fixed that way. Sometimes it's just uh, bony things going on. There's a lot of reasons that we, that we can have that and it can cause different things, but we, it can be either direction. And the goal, I guess, would be not being stuck in either, in either way. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. one way or the other is bad fully we just want to find kind of that balance to be able to move in between Mm -hmm. yeah and I always think about it like you know how in yoga we're always taught this like I don't know this like straight posture you know when you're sitting um and you know a lot of yoga poses were designed for little boys you know (laughs) um and so and I think about that too like when I'm sitting very accurate I'm like, well, but it's so it's so much more natural for me to like tilt my pelvis forward a little bit um, and then kind of sit back and like stack my shoulders on top. Um, whereas like trying to sort of tilt my pelvis forward or backward and like, you know, sit, like it just feels like really constraining, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah. And so that's really interesting to think about. And then and- I think about... Um, like in terms of like lower back pain and and I was wondering if you know anything oh, yeah, about like the connection between um because I've noticed you know for some women too they'll get lower back pain like right before their period and I'm curious mm-hmm. if that is related um you know to that tension of the pelvic floor muscles um or if it's just you know like the uterus expanding and it's like or maybe the pelvis is tilted, or maybe it's like a combination of all these things. <laughs> okay, a lot of things. Okay. <laughs> so first, okay, first I want to start with the posture, and then we're going in, okay, then the blow back pain uh, period. Okay, so one of the things I just want to mention what you said about your posture, because I'm very similar. Because it feels comfortable doesn't necessarily mean that's what should we should be doing. And right. that's where it comes in. Sometimes, yes, right? We are like, listen to our inner body and this, you know, and so I'm like, I'm like fighting that, fighting that because yes and no, right? We always want to listen to that and connect more to our inner self, which I know you're probably very connected to um, just because I know what you do and you're connected to kind of that inner wisdom. 
But when it comes to our bodies, one of the things you were saying, the reason I wanted to bring this up is I, I have a very, um, I have this forward tilt uh, that I'm constantly trying to connect to, to uh, correct. But it's because I, well, I mean, I'm a physical therapist, and so I can feel that even though I want to do this, that's not what I should be doing because it's going to end up causing me some problems down the road. You can kind of be like hanging out on certain ligaments for lack of, you know, it's not exact, that's not exactly true, but that's kind of the idea that you're just sort of like not using the correct muscles to support yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can, if we already have a little bit of a postural deficit or whatever we want to call it, we might be making that worse by not trying to counteract it. And so that's Mm -hmm. where, you know, talk, you know, seeing someone like a a physical therapist or someone, a movement specialist of some sort can help look at your posture and let you know that and just have that kind of feedback and, and, and chat about what feels comfortable, what's not doing some, some deeper muscle testing and looking at things to see. And that way you have a better idea of, should I be trying to correct this? Like, should I work harder and trying to use my core in this certain thing in a yoga posture or no, like, is this just my body and I need to change this to make it, to make it me. And so I think there's a balance there, I guess, in trying to figure out how to listen to your body and do what feels good. We don't ever want to do it, do it you know, we weren't talking about a pose that would be painful. You know, we don't want to ever be going into pain, but like, I think you were mm-hmm. thinking, talking more about like standing in mountain pose or something, right? And not wanting to like draw the belly in. And mm-hmm. so I think sometimes with that, having a little bit of guidance and having another person kind of have their eye on us can be helpful uh, in learning about, is this my normal or, you know, should I actually be trying to work on this area or something mm-hmm. and then our low back is absolutely connected to to all of that and so if i'm seeing someone for low back pain i'm, I'm immediately looking at their their pelvis but also go up the chain so their thoracic spine so our upper back is typically really really restricted and so that can be affecting down the chain too so we're never just looking at the low back because that's usually not the culprit now sometimes it is there's a direct injury or you know this this disc or whatever mm-hmm. but most of the time there's issues going on and there's a reason that something's happened down there our low back is where we get a lot of movement and we're we're trying to um get that movement because we're, we're not getting it from our pelvis and from up the chain in our in our upper back so we're usually mm-hmm. looking at all of those things to try to gain movement and mobility in certain areas and then improving the stability in this area that maybe has over uh, mobility is moving a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of specifically pain with your, with your period, there's so many things like you learned as well. I'm sure like you're thinking of things too, like our diet and the way that we're eating leading up to our period, our posture in general, like you said, what's well, our nat- natural posture. Um, do we have any sort of, is our uterus like you said maybe our uterus is tilted how are things being affected in our in our bodies there's a lot of different reasons either hormonally posturally uh just inflammation lots of different things that can be going on in terms of causing back pain. because not all not all women have back pain during their period you know it's just certain certain people so that's a thing again i think you could look at a couple different people that's why it's your care team right i think a physical therapist like if your pain's getting really bad during that time i think a physical therapist particularly or probably a pelvic therapist mixed with a health coach nutritionist kind of this whole whole team would probably be the ideal to look to kind of fix and support that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah so what do you what kind of um what kind of like yoga poses specific like I'm kind of thinking of like you know just the regular like malasana like things like that to help um create uh yeah just more blood flow more prana to flow um what kind of poses do you usually recommend yeah for pelvic floor um stuff (laughs) (laughs) stuff uh yeah I I use it depends on the person right like on what's going mm-hmm. on like if I'm doing like for a client right so if they have pelvic pain versus maybe weakness we might be looking at different things but in general I would say looking at like someone who's healthy and can practice and is not having pain or is not maybe peeing their pants when they sit down into a squat then then I would say definitely uh, a deep squat is really great and if we can't do a deep squat don't force it sit on a block 
you know, sit on some things mm -hmm. where we can get into the position in a comfortable way and slowly maybe we can get into that full deep squat without pain. But if we're not used to, you know, as a society, we don't sit in that squat position very much. So don't force it at first is one thing I would say. But yeah, the deep squat can be great. Child's pose is the same thing. So sitting back in a child's pose is a great position. I almost always in my yoga classes talk about the pelvic floor and breathing into the low back, expanding there, expanding into the pelvis. When you inhale and, and deep breath, taking deep breaths in child, child's pose, happy baby, right? This is kind of like the reverse of that sort of, like on your mm -hmm. back. So happy baby is another great place for stretching uh, the pelvic floor and kind of opening and bringing awareness to the pelvic floor. So those three are kind of the big ones where I feel like we can really focus in that area. Child pose is nice because we're not really putting a lot of strain mm -hmm. on that area the way we might in, in happy baby or um, or deep squat. Uh, I'm trying mm -hmm. to think. I don't know. Do you have any on the top of your head that you're thinking other than those that you like? Yeah, I think those are kind of the main ones. Um, yeah, and, I'm, and I've noticed those are kind of the popular ones used with like prenatal and yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I always just sort of think of like just how to stretch that whole area, right? So like the glutes and like, you know, maybe pigeon pose um, yeah. on your back, something like that. Definitely. Um, yeah, I love I love pigeon pose for sure when looking at like the opposite, you know, kind of getting that opposite, especially with tighter hips. Um, another thing you said reminded me of, oh, um, like a like a butterfly or reclined goddess i know we call it different things like mm. the butterfly position with your legs mm, yeah but so, laying back and so and i think when you do the goddess it's more like opening up your arms mm -hmm. but whatever you do with your arms kind of that recline yeah. either on like a bolster or pillow or just laying completely on your back with your legs in that uh, butterfly position mm -hmm. for me in terms of more physical therapy looking but also in class either blocks under your knees or pillows under your knees that's a great position and I use that a lot to help people like when they would you know I'd send them home and be like okay get in this position but be really supported so we're not necessarily thinking about stretching the hips so we can have that support under our knees and just breathing there like the what we were talking about earlier with the breath and movement of your of your pelvis that position is a great one to try at home to to practice that mm -hmm. yeah yeah I feel like I use that one um a lot actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I love um, all these such great, like, wisdom and education from you. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I tried. Um, like I said, you know, I'm these days I feel like doing a little bit more on the coaching side of things. Um, so this was actually, this was good to, to talk about some of this cool. stuff again. Yeah, well, um, yeah, just kind of tell us where uh, we can find you if anybody's interested in working with you virtually. Um, I, I'm not sure that we, we, can, we maybe mentioned it before, but you're, um, you're obviously not located um, locally for me in Omaha, Nebraska, <laughs> where I'm at. Um, so <laughs> people are... Yes, I am in Ohio. Yeah, so people are wanting to connect with you virtually. Um, how can they do so? Yeah, so um, like I mentioned, my business name is All About That Breath, and that's my website too, too. so allaboutthatbreath.com. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram at All About That Breath. And I also have a, because my, my business has kind of gone down, which I mentioned kind of in the beginning, I've gone down the route of really sort of focusing on uh, women who maybe experience anxiety and how that affects some of the things we discussed today. And so I have a private Facebook group as well for women who experience anxiety. And we just kind of chat about different things in there. Sometimes I do some videos and I'm still kind of experimenting with that. But you can reach out to me. I do free consultations. If you're just unsure about what's going on, and if you need pelvic floor physical therapy and you just want to chat briefly, um, I, I do that for free. And I can also help people with, you know, connecting and trying to Sometimes I'll help people figure out how to find the right person for them in their area. So cool. I'm open open to doing that as well. Or I do actual one-on-one um, -on -one work in person here in Ohio sometimes, but especially since COVID, almost all online. 
and I do wellness consultations, focus on physical therapy, or also more focused towards health coaching um, or kind of private individualized yoga as well. Cool. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely put um, a link to all your stuff um, in the bottom of this this podcast. But um, yeah, thank you so much for for taking time to to talk to me today. And I thank got to you. selfishly ask some of my own questions. And <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. I was like, yeah. I wanted to ask you some stuff, and I was like, uh, this was a lot of me trying to like think back, kind of diving. Uh, deep into the the public floor stuff, which which yeah. is really good. I love you know. I think it's really really important. So um, yeah. I hope that people maybe learned something, or that you can learn something from. Yeah. Just even talking about it, right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cassie. We'll we'll talk soon. All right. Bye. bye.